Amen. You take your Bibles tonight and uh, let's go back to the book of Ephesians. Chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. We'll try to get right into um, the message tonight. Try to finish up uh, this evening with this. Um, I haven't forgot what part we're on. I guess part number 4 uh, about uh, the giants. And this is that giant of anger. And so we'll look at Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 26 is where we'll start. Uh, i got to get there myself, excuse me. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. He says in verse number 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Let's pray once again. Dear Father, we thank you, Lord, for the good singing that we've had tonight. God, we thank you for the blessing, Lord, that Brother Deke was able to sing for us and able to give us testimony. Lord, I think back, Lord, to when COVID was just starting. And uh, we were having, uh, uh, I believe it was our first uh, parking lot service in May. Miss Irene called and said that he had to go to the hospital. And God, he's come a long way. And Father, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for the conversations that we've had and the, the trips, Lord, that we've been on together. God, we thank you, Lord, for the time that we've had with these saints of God. And God, we pray, Lord, that we can glean from them and their lives and their testimonies like Brother Deke gave tonight. And God, we pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be able to, to lift them up, Lord, in these their golden years. Lord, I pray that we can honor them and give them the glory that they that they uh, are, are uh, um, not in need of, Lord, but they deserve. But God, we pray, Lord, above them and Lord, above ourselves, that you would get glory. God, we pray that you'd have your will tonight in our hearts and in our lives. We pray that you'd bless this message. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I want to try my best to finish this thought up. And uh, if you're taking notes or anything, the title of the message was One Letter Short of Danger. And it was that uh, that giant of anger that we're talking about tonight. Uh, last week, I believe it was last Sunday night, we talked about uh, there being a such thing as sinless anger. And we gave you some scriptures. First Peter chapter number 2, verse 23, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. And so it speaks of Christ, though uh, it shows that he had anger there in the temple when he overturned the, the money changers' tables, but yet it was a righteous indignation. Uh, he was angry not because of himself, but he was angry because what they were doing went against 
the rule of God. And so that's the measurement that we have our anger here today. In verse number 26, it says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And we gave you the illustration about that campfire. And uh, I said, all you have to do is just poke it. Maybe dead, maybe just embers, but you poke it, you give it some fuel, and in just a little while, that thing's going to come back to life. And oftentimes, our anger, uh, our sinful anger is the exact same way. Just a little bit of nudge toward that anger, and all of a sudden, we're, we're, uh, we're almost, I, I hate to say it like this, but we're foaming at the mouth again with anger, with just a wrath. And so we have to be careful in this. We, we spoke about the characteristics of sinless anger, but now I want to give you, and, and hopefully end with this, the warnings regarding anger. <clears throat> and we see here in our text again, I, I, I need to tell you again, there in verse 26, it says, Be ye angry and sin not, let not the, your, uh, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. But verse number 31, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And so, as we see this in Paul's writings, we can also see it uh, in Colossians chapter number 3, verse number 8. And this is God's. Do you believe that, that, that this book that we have is God's inspired word? If you do, then we have to understand that when Paul wrote these words, he was inspired to write these words from God. And so here we find it in, in Ephesians chapter number 4, talking about this anger. In Colossians chapter 3, verse number 8, But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, Malice, blasphemy, uh, filthy communication out of your mouth. Doesn't it sound, Miss Irene, doesn't it sound familiar to what we just read there in verse number, what was it, 31 out of Ephesians chapter number 4? So these warnings regarding anger, they are repeated throughout the Scripture. Uh, there's a lot of times that we try to curb our anger. Uh, and and I, I, one... One time comes to mind, and I've told you this before, when I was a young boy, uh, I've told you that my mother was the one that done most of the... Uh, uh, the punishment and my aunt, my aunt Connie, she's passed away now, but she's always a sweet woman. Uh, when she, when she wanted to be, <laughs> she was always a sweet one. And this one time she was trying her best to help me not to get killed. And so she knew that I was going to get in trouble and she said to my, my mother, she said, now Kay, she called her Sandra, now Sandra, uh, you need to uh, count to ten before you whoop him. I know he deserves it, but you need to count to ten. And after that, when I saw my Aunt Connie again, I begged her to never give my mama instructions on what to do. Because, Brother David, those ten seconds made my mama that much more mad at me. And I begged her, please forget how to count to ten or something. And so, we try different things to curb our anger. But oftentimes when willpower hinders or masks our rage, that anger is smoldering underneath the, the surface. And God gives us warnings about this. 
Our surfaces, our, excuse me, our anger sometimes surfaces in tears. I could remember again growing up, I remember being in the corner of Lynn Avenue. We lived on the corner of Walker, excuse me, Allen, on the corner of Walker and Allen. And uh, we were in the very back playing football or playing something there in a little dirt road. And uh, it, it just got out of the banks and everybody was mad at everybody. And it wasn't long that that everybody not only was mad, but these were boys ready to fight. And they looked at me and I was crying. And Brother Deke, when they saw me crying at first, they started laughing and saying, what a sissy. But then they realized that my teeth were gritted together. I don't know if that's the right word. They were gritted together and somebody was fixing to pay. And then it got so bad that Brother David, I was so mad I was crying. And I've told my sister time and time again growing up that if I ever start crying, I said, Valerie, if I ever start crying, you better run because somebody's going to die. I'm going to kill you. I promise I'm going to try. Brother David gave a testimony the other day of you didn't shoot your sister, but you threatened to shoot her. Is that right? Okay. I didn't stab my sister, but I threatened to stab I chased her through the house with a long knife. I was, I was ready. And it had gotten to that point, Brother Jim. But Miss Jean... If we try to mask this anger and we try to put it, kind of put it aside, what happens is it just smolders. And it's there and it's working, but then all of a sudden something will happen and boom, that thing will flare up. Think for a minute, you've heard about sweeping things under the carpet and you've heard about sweeping dust or dirt up underneath the carpet. You'll get it later. Well, all it does is it just multiplies. Think for a moment, Kurt, if it was anger and you just swept it out from someone's sight and put it underneath that rug. It wouldn't take long before that rug caught on fire. And so God is giving us some warnings here. He says, but now put off all these things. In verse number 31, He says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you. He doesn't say to hide it. He doesn't say to give it to, to your neighbor and let them be mad, but He says put it away. Put it all away. Put off all these things. And so we try to curb these feelings of anger, but if we're not careful and we don't do what the Scripture warns us to do, uh, we are just putting them aside for a little while until something else happens and it all builds. We're talking about this giant of anger. Anger may come as, may come out as silence because we've maybe resolved not to fight. You're angry, you know you're angry, but you've got your fists clenched in your pockets. You've got your fists clenched behind your back. You're, you're not gonna fight. No one is gonna see it, but, but, but still in that silence, some may call it a cold shoulder, in that silence when you're angry and you're frustrated on the inside, that is still an outward showing of anger that should be put away. It may show up in constant criticism. It could show up as relentless correction. When you're angry with someone, it's like they can't do anything right. Everything they do just, just, just jabs you and, 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 and makes you think even worse of them, even though they're not doing it to, to upset you. It reveals itself with language that's uncontrolled. Often it's vile language. 
there's, uh, there's, I think maybe only been a couple times my girls are getting to that age where they, they sometimes they love on one another and sometimes they can't stand one another. And, and those times that they can't stand one another, sometimes one of them will say this very strong word and I try my, I try my best, uh, to tell them not to say it, Kurt. They'll say, I hate you. And that's such a damaging word. Now, this is not Joel Osteen, story time with Joel Osteen. I'm not, I'm not trying to make everybody feel better, but I'm telling you, the, the words that we use when we say, I hate you, uh, that is, that is very damaging, Brother Deke. It is something that, though it's, it's said in anger, and though it's said, it, it's, it's here one second, it's gone the next, that person hearing it, they sometimes are cut plumb to the core. And though they understand that it's said in anger, Years later, they may remember those words. And so anger sometimes reveals itself in uncontrolled or vile language. It will often feel warranted. This anger, when it presents itself, will try to justify it. Anybody ever tried to justify your anger? You get to that point where you're so mad and you feel, I mentioned the phrase righteous indignation. You feel like you have every right. You feel like you are in the right, if you will, uh, to be angry. And so thereby you, you say, I've got righteous indignation about this. And so I have every right. It's my responsibility and my right to be angry. No, 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 you don't. There's a lot of people that are justifying their anger. But there's no justification for it. There's no reason for it. We need to recognize that good anger is rare. James chapter number 1, verse number 19 and 20. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man, listen to this, worketh not in the righteousness of God. The wrath of man worketh not in the righteousness of God. We can try to justify our anger here all we want, but it is God's righteousness that man, or God's wrath in His righteousness that man should fear, not ours. How do we, how do we demonstrate our anger? We, we've given you some illustrations there. Sometimes it's isolation, you don't communicate. Sometimes it's yelling, sometimes it's threat, loss of control. Uh, I mean, it could be a, a myriad of things. But above all of these representations uh, of anger, every single one of those are, are wrong. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. Withdrawal or ignoring is just as destructive to a relationship as violence. Without communication, think for a moment our relationship with God. If God broke off communication with us, think what our relationship would become. It would be what? It would be one-sided. And so, even in our personal relationships, whether it's a friend or a man and woman in some relationship there, with, with that withdrawal because of some anger, we must be very careful about it and correct it as soon as we can because it can be just as harmful 
as laying a hand on someone. Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 31 again. He says, let all bitterness, let all wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. This wrath carries the meaning of boiling. Anger is indignation. Clamor is an outcry. Evil speaking is a speech that causes injury. He says, be put away from you with all malice or with every desire to injure. Paul's being very serious about this. I need us to notice that he doesn't say just control it. He says, put it away. Put it away. Some weapons to fight. Y'all still with me tonight? <clears throat> Some weapons to fight anger. We need to commit <clears throat> commit it to God. What makes us angry? Sometimes these are things that we believe are right to us. Uh, sometimes it's our own personal beliefs. Sometimes it's our personal desires, whatever it may be. We need to commit those things to God. Our anger comes from... Uh, a lot of times an improper view of ourselves. We consider ourselves uh, un, undeserving for lashing out. We consider ourselves above someone being angry at us. And so we get angry at them. Uh, you could go on and on with, with those thoughts. Weapons to fight anger. We need to commit them to God. We need to... Transfer this to God. Now realize this is, uh, when I say transfer, it almost sounds weird, but just go with me. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? That's all one question. It's all one question. Two questions, I guess. What? He said, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. He goes on in verse 20. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I have, to, I have to wonder myself, how many times have I uh, done the exact opposite of glorifying God in my anger? Is God glorified in my anger towards my children or towards my wife or towards somebody honking the horn at me or whatever it may be? I highly doubt it. I highly doubt that God is getting glory from Jamie Burke in those instances. We need to correct ourselves before we correct others. This one's hard. We look in Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 3. 3, 4, and 5. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but consider not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Now we could go a little bit deeper with this, but just, just for instance, Sometimes this is a little confusion. Think for a minute. You're looking at you. Brother Jody. I'm looking at you and I'm like, you've, you've got a splinter in your eye. Let me help you get that out while I've got a tuba for in my eye. So before I can help Jody, I've got to get this tuba for out of my eye. 
We, we need to correct ourselves before we correct them. And that's hard. That is hard for us to do. In 2021, it's hard to admit that we are wrong. But we've got to correct ourselves. We usually blame others for our anger. But others only have the ability to draw out what's already inside of us. That anger that, that you just fly off the handle, you, you've heard that phrase, you fly off the handle, it's because that anger was just under the surface to begin with. And someone come by and said the wrong thing, pulled out in front of you at the wrong time. You know, last Sunday I told you I never, never used my horn. Braylon, was it Monday? I think it was Monday. Braylon and I were going somewhere. And we, we left the house and we were on uh, Murphy Mill and there was a bunch of trash cans lined up in front of a driveway and instead of them stopping on the safe side of the trash cans to see if anybody was coming, they pulled out in the road and we were right there and had to zoom around them. Well, got on Lee Street, you know where Elm comes out there at Pat's place. Uh, we, we were right there and that's kind of an odd intersection anyway because you, you actually turn a little bit and then you turn back to go straight. And we were right there and a car waited. Brother Jim, probably I was as close to you as I was to that car. And that car pulled out and I had to swerve into the other lane. I was like, whoa. We went and did what we were going to do and we come back. And Braylon and I were on the same wavelength. She said, Daddy, you should have used your horn. And I thought, yeah, I should have. I could have cussed somebody out with my horn. But would it really have made a difference? We were safe. Did you die? No, you didn't. We were saved. Sometimes this anger that we have inside of us, it's pulled out by others. We need to allow our anger to reveal the hidden areas in our lives. Pride, self, self-pity. These things, are, they're not pleasant to look at. It's not something that I, I, that I like to... When, when I get out of the shower, there's a big old mirror. I, I try to get the, the water as hot as I can, Brother David, so I can't see myself when I get out of the shower. But sometimes it just don't work. And I look and I see this. And I thought, well, I don't know. I've been, next, 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 next year I'll be married 20 years. How does she see this every day and still want to be with me? And I look at some of you men and I wonder the same thing about your wife staying with you. But if I am going to try to make this look presentable, and I realize that's a whole heap of a handful to do, but I've got to get in that mirror and I've got to look. Was it, Tanya, was it you telling, telling us one time about Brother Dent? You went to go pick him up and he was, he was, was it shaving his ears? He was shaving his ears. I thought, man, I can't wait till I get where I'm shaving my ears. I want to get to that place. I'm 42. I've reached it. Every once in a while, there's a hair the size of a toothpick comes out of this little thing right here. And I'm telling you, when I, when I hit it just right on the pillow, it wakes me up. And you hear, drag across the pillow. And I'm like, Miss Barbara, I gotta get that thing. Sometimes I'll be looking at Lori, without a word of lie, Leah, without a word of lie, my kids can testify this. I'll be driving, all of a sudden she'll reach over to my forehead and pull something. I'm like, what are you doing? 
She said, you got one hair coming right out of your forehead. I'm like, how do you ever have hair coming out of your forehead? But I did. So if I, if I want to make sure that I'm presentable, I've got to get in that mirror and I, everything that's wrong that I can help, I've got to get it right. In our spirit, we have got to look into God's Word. We have got to look into our prayer life and, and see and uncover and filter out all of those things that do not belong. And oftentimes it's, it's anger that we've pressed down that needs to be pulled out and put aside. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm trying to hurry. I may just cut it off here in a minute. 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 4 through 7. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. Uh Uh-oh. Now we're talking about, we're talking about love, talking about charity. I need to, I made a note over here, made a note over here about this word charity. Charity is the result of love. A lot of times we substitute and we say that love suffereth long and love is la 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 la. Well, love is the, or charity is the result of love. Because we love, we have charity. And he says, charity suffereth long, doth not behave itself unseemly, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things. Hopeth all things, endureth all things. I believe that we can look the the polar opposite of that and see anger and wrath and malice. And see that because charity is as such as 1 Corinthians 13, we can look at all of these bad things and we can see the exact opposite. It's like light and darkness. I would rather have charity and love in my life than I would have anger and wrath. Apostle Paul says, let's put it away. I was reading after, uh, I can't remember his name, Jeff, Jeff Redlin, I believe is his name. And he says, have you ever known some place to have too much storage space? He went on to say, if you build it, you will soon find stuff to fill it. When we moved down here, we had a, we had a, I can't remember how wide it was, but 60 feet long mobile home. Uh, what, 28 by 60, something to that effect. And it, I didn't think while I was living there, Miss Irene, I didn't think it was that full until we started pulling stuff out. And I found stuff that I didn't even know I had. Found stuff I'd forgotten about and, and all kinds of stuff. Well, we moved down here and everything was kind of in a, in a rush. We moved down here. We had a big old long U-Haul trailer. It had my parents' vehicle filled to the brim. Ours was filled to the brim. We went back in, I think, May of the next year and brought a big trailer and a car back full of stuff. But you know what? There's still another truckload up there. 
I don't want to fill this house with junk. Somebody help me right there. I look at it like this, and, and I'm not being funny, but, but I look at it like this. We've lived down here, December will be three years. If I ain't used it in three years, I probably don't need it. The illustration about this room, if, if you build a big enough space, you'll fill it with stuff. If you allow room in your heart for wrath and anger, you will fill it with wrath and anger. But if we allow room in our lives and in our hearts for charity and for love and for think on these things, and he begins to give you a long list, what a better place, what a better purpose to have space in our heart to put those things that are pure and righteous and virtuous. That's what needs to be in our lives. I'm going to end with this. I don't know why, but Miss Tanya, can you play Sweet Hour of Prayer? Um, you can come on and... Um, Brother David, if you don't, feel, if you feel like it, can, if you can lead it. If not, we could just play it. Y'all can kind of decide on that. It's okay. But the world. Now we're talking about this giant of anger, and this world should be able to expect Christians to be distinctly different from what they are accustomed to. I've heard of of women that have been battered and they've been beaten and. And all in the name of love, some man has come into their lives and they've, 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 they've lied and they've gotten the affections of this woman. And they have, this man has, has abused this woman. Finally, she gets free from this man and she finds someone else that truly loves her, that truly wants to provide for her, that wants to care for her, that that loves everything about her, all her flaws, everything he loves. And he accepts her as she is. But sometimes those relationships are tense because that woman has been hurt so much. She can't believe that someone loves her so much that he would go to these extents to show her love. This world has been hurt so much. And this world has been ravaged in such a way that this world needs the church. Instead of showing wrath, please don't misunderstand me. We need to preach against sin. We need to point out sin. But in doing so, we need to point them to someone that loves them. We need to point this world to someone that can take them out of that relationship. Ye of your father, the devil. We need to take them out of that relationship and introduce them to a heavenly father that is willing to adopt them so that they can become sons of God. This, this world should be able to expect Christians to be distinctly different than what they're used to. But as Christians in this message, this series is for Christians. Christians deal with, with these giants. And one of these giants is anger. 
And it doesn't mean that we're less than a Christian if we deal with this giant of anger. But it does mean that we've got to get victory over it. It does mean that as Paul said in Ephesians and Paul said in Colossians, we've got to put them away. We've got to put them off. And in doing so, again, when we correct ourselves, then we can reach out to correct others. Not before. We begin to offer good things for bad. There's an old song, I can't remember the name of it, If You Had Known Me. And it says something to the effect, just an old rejected relic on the auction block, they decided just to throw me away. Man, I can't, I can't help but to, when I hear that song, think about Gomer and Hosea. This is a woman of the world. God told Hosea to go and to marry her and to love a woman. He loved this woman and through time this woman went back to her ways. She wasted away and she ended up on the auction block. But in doing so, God said, I told you to go love a woman. And so he went to that auction block, Brother Deke, and he found that woman, Gomer. And he bought her back. He had just enough to pay the price for a slave. To bring her back. And he loved her. We need to let the world know that God wants to do that. But if we're dealing with these giants ourselves, if we're dealing with this anger and everything makes us mad. I, I, I've, I've listened to myself and I've used the word frustrate in, in casual conversation. The things that's so frustrating to me, oh, that just frustrates me. And Miss Tabitha, I, I, I'm convicted of that because... I shouldn't be that easily frustrated. Shouldn't be that easily irritated or angered. So as I preach to you or preach to myself tonight, it's time to give it over to God. We go back to Daniel or to David and Goliath, that giant. We go back to him. Go back to the Sunday school series that Brother David taught a few weeks back. We go back to that giant and all the things that happened. All of those things that were planned by God. But that giant had to be slain. You and I have got giants in our lives that have to be slain. We can't just push them under the rug. We've got to slay them. We've got to put them away. We've got to put them off. And tonight be a good night to do that.